Welcome to episode 96 of the Gump Runners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law. Um, following Alabama's bye week this week, um, heading into the biggest game of the year for the Crimson Tide. I know that uh, the Texas week two is big, but now, you know, SEC West is on the line. More than likely, um, very good chance. Not saying it's, it's you know, impossible for them to lose, but very good chance that both of these teams after this game could win out. I think uh, – Alabama has Kentucky and Auburn remaining, and um, LSU has like Texas A&M and Arkansas, something like that. So they'll be favored in their remaining SEC game, shall I say. But LSU rolls into Bryant Denny Stadium um, in a battle for the SEC West, and uh, and a game that's been no stranger to the uh, to crowning the SEC West champion. This has been happening for just about ever since Nick Saban's come to Alabama. Uh, you know, it seems like this game always has big-time SEC and national championship implications, and I think it does this year as well. Um, of course, you know, we broke down Tennessee last week, so we're moving into into just strictly um, LSU talk this week. But first, um, and if, we're going to release this on Tuesday. So if you're listening Tuesday before the, the first CFP rankings come out, we're going to give you really quickly because there's probably going to be a lot of people that listen to this after that, which is fine. Um but we're going to give you our top six or seven, whatever you guys want to do. Lester, you start off. Get who if you're if you're on the committee, and you have to list your top six or seven teams in the first college football playoff rankings um, on Halloween. Who are you going with? You can go one through six, six through one. It doesn't matter. And give me a reasoning yeah. of why you pick those teams. Yeah, one through six. Um, I'll say Florida State one. I will go Georgia two, mm-hmm. Ohio State three, Washington four, and as far as five and six, I'll go with Michigan, and then we'll have the best one loss team, as in Oklahoma. I feel like, um, despite their wait, no, Oregon's lost the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bet, yeah. I'll have Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State, Washington. Michigan and Oregon. Those are my top six. And is that just based off? Do you just go by eye test or resume? What, what do you What do you look at whenever you just just something? yeah, just a combination of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly uh, right now record mm-hmm. and um your big win. So like Florida State, they have LSU. Um, Georgia, they don't have a big win I, yet. I I can't remember as far as the schedule goes, but they are the two-time defending champions, and they're, you know, undefeated thus far. And Ohio State, of course, you know, Ohio State, they're always going to be ranked this year. I mean, ranked highly. They have they have, they don't have a reason not to be in the top four. They're undefeated. Um, Washington beat Oregon. You can argue that Washington is your top – no, wait, no, Washington beat – yeah, it was right. Oregon. You're right, yeah, they beat Oregon. Yeah, yeah. You can argue that Washington could be, you know, two through four instead of number four, you know what I mean? And – um. Yeah, behind them, you know, Michigan and Oregon. Of course, Ohio State and um, Michigan will play. That'll sort itself out. But, yeah, those are my top six right now. So, just a combination of, you know, record, um, who they played, who they've beaten. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I kind of squared it away so far. Yeah, for, for me, you know, when I was when I was making my list, I, I went with the, you know, since there's five undefeated teams, um, if I'm in the committee, I, I had to go – based off a of strength schedule. That's my go-to. And in my opinion, how is that not the best judgment? 
I mean, who have you beaten to be seven or eight? No, it doesn't matter if you look great because I don't think Ohio State's look great. But you know, they have a top ten win <clears throat> at at, a, at South Bend and Notre Dame. Um, they beat Penn State at home, only beat them by eight, but they still beat them. And so, if you're for for me, if I have multiple teams that are undefeated and multiple one loss teams, that there's no head to head matchups to go by, I'm going to always go off of strength of schedule. So if that's the case, I'm going Florida State, whose strength of schedule is 32. Ohio State at two, their strength of schedule is 35. Washington's at three. They're ranked 55th in strength of schedule. Michigan is four. Believe it or not, they're ahead of Georgia in strength of schedule. So Michigan at four, Georgia at five. That's my top five undefeated teams. And then for the six and seven spots, I go with the best one-loss teams and kind of have the same criteria. You know, Texas goes on the road, beats Alabama. I think Alabama's a different team than they were in week two. And, of course, you know, Texas has their starting quarterback out, so we'll see if they drop another game here and there. I know they lost to uh, to Oklahoma in the Red River shootout or Red River rivalry, whatever it's called. Um, and But Oklahoma, you can't go on the road to Lawrence, Kansas, and lose to unranked Kansas with a backup quarterback and and be, you know, considered a top-10 team. I You know, if I was – when Alabama lost to Texas, didn't they drop from like 2 to 11 or something like that? It was a brutal drop. And um, Lester's made the case that, you know, they dropped so far that they they won't be able to make up for it, even if they went out, which, you know, can very well happen. We'll get into that later. But, um, yeah, I don't think Oklahoma deserves to be anywhere near the top ten. Um, so my six is going to be Texas because their strength of schedule is 16, and my seven would be Alabama. That's where I'd have them. Even though their strength of schedule is four, which would be the highest out of the top seven teams you do have a head-to-head loss against texas so that will put them behind uh behind texas at seven j-lo who's your top six and tell us how you got there yeah i'm going more eye test i think just because there's so many teams with bad my you know i'll say this there's so many teams with a bad strength of schedule i put that in my eye test as well um if i was just going straight eye test i think i could pretty much flip-flop ohio state or Florida State, I think Florida State. I know they've had a couple close run-ins, but dude, they blew the door. They've blown the doors off some teams. They have that that impressive blowout win, even though it was in Week One versus LSU. Ohio State went to South Bend, won a game. They haven't obviously been blowing the doors off people. But listen, if you win games, you win games, and like that to me, that's important, man. Like because some teams aren't built to score. 50 points per game. So we're trying to say that X team is better because they win 50 to 30 or is Y team better because they win 30 to 10. So, I mean, like they're both 20 point dubs, but why are we going to think that one team's better just because they put up fancy numbers on the scoreboard and they're more fun to watch on TV. So I would put Florida state or Ohio state number one. Um, I think that Washington also has a really good win, obviously Oregon, but of course they come out and they struggle last week. And if Stanford catches a pass on fourth and two on a perfectly drawn up play, Washington might lose that game. And uh, and also in the fourth quarter, did they almost get beat by Arizona? Was that who almost beat them? Yeah, they've had a couple of close games yeah. as well. But like again, like I mean, Alabama almost lost, could have almost lost to South Florida, but they've won those games. So I would put. You know, Washington or Georgia for me at three or four interchangeable. Michigan, I'm sorry, I'm done with them. I would not be surprised if the NCAA levels something on them midseason. 
where they can't go to the playoffs because I, I'm sorry, dude, these guys are cheating. There's a 600 page manifesto about this guy, how he wants to cheat, how he wants to get Michigan to the top. Uh, so in my eyes, they're a little bit, um, I guess you just got to take a lot away from them. I wouldn't put them in my top four. So, I mean, th those are kind of my, my top five or six teams right there. When you look at it, Oklahoma's obviously out for me. I don't care what they do the rest of the year. You can't go to Kansas in front of 30,000 people, lose to a backup quarterback. I know Lance Leifel's a good coach, but that's unacceptable. They're done. Texas, obviously, right in front of Alabama. For me, maybe just because um, they beat them head-to-head, -head, but I think if they played right now, Alabama would probably win that ball game. So, that's kind of how mine shakes out. I'm really more focused on my top four, not the top six, because I think the that five and six slots could just kind of bounce back and forth all throughout November, just depending on how impressive a team looks and, and who they beat. Like if Alabama beats LSU handily, I think there'll be some people in the playoff room say, hey, Alabama's out here dominating people. Texas has struggled. They beat Alabama, but they have literally played some close games throughout the rest of the year. Some people would say, hey, jump them back over because it's how you're playing right now. Who's the best team right now going into the end of the year? LSU, Brian Kelly, Jaden Daniels rolling into Bryant-Denny Stadium this weekend with the number one offense in the country as it stands right now. Number one in total offense in the entire country. LSU has been humming on the offensive side of the ball really ever since the Florida State debacle week one. They've got some stuff figured out. And, uh, man, you talk about a, a team that's very scary on offense, by far the most offensive talent that Alabama's played this year. Texas is a, is a, a close second. I think, you know, you know, the game plan that Sark had, and you know, they're at full strength with all the receivers, a healthy quarterback, um, no injuries on the offensive line. So, Lester, Kevin Steele, um, it, is there a way that he can slow down Jane Daniels? You saw what he did to Pete Golding last year. He ran for 100 yards, um, threw for another 200 or whatever. Uh, Nick Saban said in his press conference this week that, you know, he just killed him last year. And so he's priority number one. But you look at Malik Neighbors, you know, he's going to be he's, – he's he's one of the top receivers in the SEC. And, uh, you know, a good ground game that had to go along with that. I think these guys are ranked – they're third in passing offense – and they're 13th in rushing offense. That's in the country, not the SEC. So they're third in passing, 13th in rushing. So a lot of people think that they might be one-dimensional. No, they're very, very balanced on offense. And so um, they can they can really hurt you with a quarterback with, with his legs, and he's one of the best downfield passers as well. He's got a completion percentage over 70%. Is there any way, in your opinion, that Kevin Steele can maybe not shut down Jaden Daniels in the LSU offense, but – Hold them really under 30. I think that's a key number this week. It's under 30 points. I think if you hold them to 29 or less, Alabama's got a really good shot at winning. Lesser, can they do that? So they they can. Um it's always, you know, would you rather have a great offense for a great defense and things like that? And I think that in recent college football times, you would argue for a great offense. Like a great offense would win that conversation. Um, but as far as this game goes with Steele versus Daniels, the linebackers are the most important position group on defense this week, in my opinion. Um, 
as far as covering wide receivers goes, you know, you you have Terion, you have, you know, Caleb Downs, you have Kool-Aid. Um, I have the utmost confidence in those guys to, you know, stick on their guy, hang in there, cover well. Um, the defensive line planned excellent. I have faith in them to, you know, hold the line, you know, keep the backs up the middle and check, you know, get a little pressure here and there. But why I said the linebackers are the most important position group because they are going to have to be the people who spy Daniels. If 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 there's a bomb completed over their head, that's not the linebacker fault. If a, if a running back, you know, breaks, you know, left or right, whatever, that's the outside backer's fault. That's the you know DN's fault. But the key to this game and what cannot a lot be allowed to happen is. Jaden Daniels cannot be successful on broken plays. So let's say that, you know, your back end, your your defensive backs, they cover the receivers. There's nowhere to go. Let's say that, you know, your defensive line, they keep them in the pocket for as long as possible, you know. But when the play breaks down, that backer, whoever it is, has to keep Daniels contained. He cannot run for 20 or 30 yards. You make him live with two or three here and there, five or six at the most, but whoever is going to spy him, which I hope that's part of the game plan, is to spy. Whoever is there to spy him cannot let him be successful on broken plays. That's my key to the game. Because, look, football is football. They're going to have great plays. They're going to score. They may go up and down the damn field. Yeah. But when the play breaks down, when the defense has done all it can for five or six seconds, you cannot let the play continue. You cannot let them get massive gains after you have basically successfully stopped the offense. You know what I mean? If Dan's in the pocket for five or six seconds, clearly there's nowhere for him to go. So what's he going to do? Look to run. And when he does do that, he cannot be successful in that endeavor. That's that's my only key. I just hope they have a spy in the game plan and they are prepared for him to run when the play breaks down. Who do you spy him with, Lester? I think he's Ooh. a little huh? Jihad or there's um, no way Jihad can catch him. Because you know what, it's, it's hey, kind what of about a star? Let's it's let's 32. You think well, Jayla, you know, and that's that's my point right there. Because I thought that's who now? Lester was gonna Maybe. say instead of like one of the slowest linebackers we have. Like oh, okay. <laughs> no, when, when he picked yeah. up the fumble against Tennessee last year, it like hurt me watching him try to run in the end zone. But <laughs> hey, we don't we don't ask him to sprint. We just you know play in the box and be a dog for us. Right. Um, but you, you know Deontay Lawson, he does so well playing on instincts, and I don't. I mean, he's been used as a spy a couple of times. He was he was used that way against Tennessee, but uh, just I don't know if you want him taken out of your defense. Because here, here's here's a, a flip, a kind of reverse scenario for you. Jalen Milrow, also very, you know, if he was to run like he's supposed to, LSU does have a linebacker that they can afford to spy with, Harold Perkins. He's one of Perkins. the fastest guys on the field. Yep. Um, he, he's a he's a linebacker, but he runs more like a safety. And so he can actually run Milrow down and tackle him in space. But if you spy with him, now you're taking away your best pass rusher and you're taking away really good coverage backer too. So that's always See, something that you have to watch to out run. for. He won't do it. Say what? I mean, Miller's not a threat to run. He just yeah, I'm talking about to if do he, it. If he, if, you don't have to worry about that. If there's somebody that's going to spy Milrow, it's going to have to be Harold Perkins because nobody else can catch him. So 
if you're Alabama, who is that guy? Who do you spy with? Who are you willing to risk taking out of the play completely just so he can sit there and watch a quarterback? But this is the point of having a great defense. This is why all three levels being good. Yeah. The other two levels beside linebackers being good comes into play. You know, hey, what about Caleb Downs? The guy can tackle. I'm not saying. I don't know. It'll be hard to. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't play him between two safeties and just have him walk, walk down to the box. Yeah, but, then, you, then, you, then you got yeah. just one one free safety. You're playing with fire there. because, And that's what's so tough about Jaden Daniels, man, is, yep. you know, early in his career, he was one of these guys where you could get away with bringing a lot of pressure and forcing him to throw the ball up for grabs, and he would do that. But now, you know, he's been in, he's been in college for three or four years. Um, he's turned into one of the the most accurate downfield passers in, in the whole country. So he's very he's very accurate on top with being able to take off and run for 20, 30 yards, you know, is, and being one of the fastest, most elusive players on the field. So very, very difficult, huge challenge ahead for Alabama. But, Lester, what you said about, you know, would you rather have a good offense or a good defense in this day in college football? And I think, you know, you're right. At home, especially playing in your house, you'd rather have a good defense because – you know, offense doesn't always travel. Defense is something that can always travel for you. So, especially at home, though, when you have the crowd at your back, and uh, especially if Alabama gets as loud as it did versus Texas and Tennessee, which I expect it to, game day is coming back. It's a night game. Um, and basically the last home game of the year. Not a lot of people are going to go to the Chattanooga game. You're not going to have a great atmosphere for that game. So, I look for this game to be really cranked up Saturday night. And uh, so, yeah, a good a good defense is definitely what you want to have in this scenario. And that's one thing Alabama does have. J-Law, same question. Um, Kevin Steele and company, can they slow down Jaden Daniels? If so, how do they do it? Yeah, I was thinking about this, you know, when Leonard Fournette came in and then all the talk was about him. And somehow that defense held him to, what, 36 rushing yards or something in that game. Now, obviously, you're not going to shut down Jaden Daniels because he gets the ball every single play. But here's you can't let him get to his average. He's a he's a top ten rusher in the conference. He's ninth in the league in rushing. That's including its negative sack yards, which he gets sacked about, I think, two point two times per game. So he's still averaging right at seventy yards per game on the ground. Like you can't give that up. You almost can't give up half of that to this this offense that scores forty seven points per game. Uh, obviously, I just don't think you can let him kill you with his legs. Look, he's going to throw it. Alabama's going to have to trust their guys, whether it's it's Terion, Amos, Kool-Aid, whoever's out there in coverage. They're going to have to trust their guys on some islands in this one because you're not going to be able to afford to just kind of – you got you got to watch the quarterback. You're not going to be able to turn your back to him and, and, and let the guy take off running. So I just think they're going to have to have a, a, a good game plan coming into this game. What makes me excited about this defense is the halftime adjustments, what they've been able to do. LSU comes in this game, guys, look, they already have two losses. They're probably not in the playoff. I'm going to put it that way. They're they they're not in the playoff. Um, a three-way tie would end up probably favoring Ole Miss in conference because Ole Miss would be the, the highest-ranked team. Because I mean, I really don't see where Ole Miss is going to lose another a game this year potentially. So I think they got to um, go to Athens. Ole Miss goes to Athens this year. Yeah. So. Okay, my bad. So yeah, they would have their second loss. I didn't I don't know how I missed that on their schedule. So, anyways, it but how these things shake out? Like LSU's probably out of it, so they're really playing with nothing to lose. They want to get back to Atlanta and potentially win the SEC. 
but they're probably not going to get to the college football playoff. Alabama's playing with a lot to lose. You lose this game. I mean, that's you know, essentially you're done for the rest of the year. So um, I, I think you have to spy Jaden Daniels. There's too many times where we've all screamed at the TV or screamed in the stands like, where's the spy? What are we doing? From Tosh Lupoy all the way to some games right now um, with Kevin Steele, like the first half in the Tennessee game a couple times versus Ole Miss early in that game where Alabama did eventually spy. So you know that you're going to have to do it in this game. And Saban said it in his press conference. They're, they're just going to have to be very multiple on defense. They're going to have to run – you know, a lot of different stuff to try to confuse the quarterback, but also keep their eye on him, make it easy on them to keep their eye on him. So I, I look for Alabama to mix it up a little bit. There might be a couple different guys that that have the quarterback on every play to kind of keep Jaden Daniels um, off guard when he knows it's just not 32 standing in the box, staring at him and taking our probably our best overall. To me so far, I know Kool-Aid's really good. I know Caleb Downs is the team's lead or the SEC's leading tackler, but 32 has been the best player on Alabama's defense, and he might be the best player in the SEC on defense this year with how good he's been. So you don't want to take him out of the game, like you said, Chase. But I do think they can do it. I don't think that they're going to – I don't. if they give up 35, they probably lose. But I think it's going to be really hard for a team to score 30-plus on Alabama – in Tuscaloosa unless Jalen Milrow and the offense turn it over. So if the offense doesn't turn it over, I think Kevin still can hold these guys to under 30, which to me is an Alabama win. Well, let's talk about that. Let's uh, flip over the offensive side of the ball. Lester, expectations from Jalen Milrow and Tommy Reese from you. You know, do we get an improvement coming off a stellar second half, um, both from Milrow and from the play caller, Tommy Reese? And, uh, you know, second half versus Tennessee, followed followed by a bye week. Do do you think that they continue their momentum and continue to get better as we've kind of seen in sections over the last couple of games, over the last few games? You've seen spurts of man, this offense can be really dynamic, really good, and then bam, go back to handing the shit off up the middle, and then Milro holds on to the ball, gets sacked, have a turnover, and you're like, man, man, we just can't put it together. So, what are your expectations from them? Do you think we see a full 60 minutes of offense, or do you think we're kind of getting the same thing with, you know, maybe a few a few more wrinkles thrown in by Reese like he's shown to do from game to game? Yeah, I'm not expecting um, – I'm, I'm expecting better game planning, better execution. Look, I think this game and the bye week last week came at the perfect time. You know, it's hard, it's hard to really dissect your tendencies, although – you know, that staff is, you know, massive and everything in Alabama, but it's hard to, yeah. like, truly, truly dissect your tendencies week to week when you have a game to plan for for the next week. So with having a bye week, you know, you figure you can take half the bye week to, you know, look at, you know, previous season, you know, like that passing number, how you said how we're successful on first down. Well, hopefully, you know, they, they, they've seen that, and now they can have time to implement that somewhat into the game plan. Maybe a couple of wrinkles, a couple of added creativity here and there, but I expect the offense to be better, especially with um, the injuries that LSU has. I think they have three DBs out or, or something like that. Um, these, these are things that you must take advantage of. If they have three defensive backs out, well, hey, let's throw the ball against some inexperienced guys. So, you know, I'm hoping Miro can be 60, 65% passing the ball. You know, I hope, I hope he can look at his check downs, look at his running backs. You know, everything doesn't have to be a home run, but 
both plays must be a positive. You can't have home run and then nothing or negative. I, I think that for this team to truly be better and truly get really, really good on offense, there must be some semblance of a team who can make a drive and who can have some consistency on offense. You know, everyone wants to, you know, establish the run. You establish the run and settle the pass, yada, yada, yada. Well, sometimes that doesn't work, and maybe this team isn't quite built for that. So hopefully, you know, they've had time to, you know, dissect their tendencies and uh, do a couple things and do more things to help this offense out to win because they're going to need it Saturday. They really are. I fear that, you know, if it's like the Tennessee game, they get down two touchdowns. Well, shoot, man, those defensive adjustments at halftime, that's too late then. Against a team like LSU, that's too late. You got to have that. You can't let yourself get down like that early again. Yeah, for, for Jalen Milrow, I think his his big number is four. Like this week, if I'm Tommy Reese, four, four, four. It's the number you wear. Look down. If you forget it, look down to your chest. It's four. And just remember – Four yards is a successful play. If you get four yards of play, you will score on every single drive. You get four yards of play minimum. If you get 34, great. But that doesn't have to be the goal every time you drop bats pass. Every time you – if I can run for four, go get four. If I can check down for four, go get the four. And so I think that's huge for Jalen Milrow this week. And, of course, you know – we're not asking him to do anything extraordinary back there playing quarterback. We're not asking him to to just do something crazy. We're asking you, hey, look, take your check down three seconds in the pocket. Don't hold the ball too long to, to risk a fumble. Um, where you, when you don't know where, where pressure's coming from, t- pull the ball down and run, and don't throw it to the other team. <laughs> Those are three very simple things that I think if he does that, Alabama will not lose another game the rest of the season. That includes a college football playoff if they were to get in um, because he excels at the deep ball. Um, I think Reese is getting better with this play con. I'm not really, I'm not willing to sit here and say that, you know, it, it's, it's a lock because of him and the creativeness that he has. I need to see more. I mentioned that last week. But, you know, Jalen, just remember the number four, dude. Like, just go get us four and um, and just just round yourself out. You know, become a, a well-rounded quarterback. Do the little things. You don't have to go for the home run, and, and he'll be fine. J-Law, same question. What are your expectations from Jalen Milrow and Tommy Reese coming off of the second half of the Tennessee game and then a bye week? Yeah, just, just watching how the – couple of carries that Jalen Milrow had on designed runs completely opened up the Tennessee defense. Man, I think that's got to be early and often in this game. I mean, a guy like Harold Perkins is so good sideline to sideline. If he's going to play this game without having to cover Jalen Milrow, like the same way, if we if De- if we got to take Deontay Lawson out of the game a little bit to stop the quarterback – we should force LSU to take Harold Perkins out of the game a little bit to stop the quarterback. So if we can keep him off, you know, off balance, if we can get four or five yards of pop from Milrow, and I'm not even talking about even design runs. Hey, drop backs, two and a half seconds, three seconds, not there. Take off. Get us in a positive play. Give us a second and six. Give us a third and two. Give us something that we're in positive plays. Again, Jalen Milrow against Tennessee took a few too many sacks, I think, he probably, if you to go back and watch the game, probably I think he got what he got sacked four times in that game. A couple of them he could have 
probably gotten rid of the ball, stepped up in the pocket, done something to give us a positive play. But I just think his legs were so big in that second half that you have to let Jalen Milrow run the football. And I really like the way that, you know, we got guys like Kendrick Law the football, whether it's a little, I guess, pop pass toss with a guy across the formation, rolling left, following him and throwing it to him. Easy throws for Milrow to get guys in space, creative ways that Tommy Reese was doing it, I think was probably what impressed me the most about those types of play calls. Just give your guys the ball in space and let them go make a play. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be Milrow going through two, three, four reads and then finally making a decision. Draw up a play where that where you know, based off what the defense is doing, that one of your best athletes on the team is going to be able to get the football in space. So I just think with Milrose play, obviously he's getting better. I, I don't think any of us think he's getting worse. It could be a lot worse. You could have had Jalen Milrow week two for 12 weeks. So that's not what's happening right now. He's getting better. I think he's making more progressions. But in this game, another big environment. Can we keep Jalen Milrow from going into a shell like he was in the first half versus Tennessee. Can we get second half Jalen Milrow early? Can the offensive line help him? And I think so. Tommy Reese with two weeks, ready to go win this game with an elite defense, knowing that he might be able to take a few chances in this ball game. I, I, I have faith in Tommy Reese. Some people still may not. Um, but after that second half against Tennessee, second half against Texas A&M, both huge matchups, elimination games, I got faith that they can get it done. They are uh, sorry, Lester. You mentioned yours earlier. Your uh, your your matchup of the game. Something that I asked y'all to come up with, and you kind of mentioned the spy on Jaden Daniels. Is that something you want to double down on? Yeah, hundred percent. That's my matchup of the game. Um, especially last year. Um, after me and the homie Gage went down there and saw Daniels do what he does, literally ran the ball on a broken play and won the game. That's exactly what happened, and there was not one single guy assigned to spy him on that play that close to them goal line. That's that's it. I mean, that 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 is the matchup of the game for me, a spy. Whoever it is can keep Jaden Daniels contained. You can live with, any, with everything else for the most part, but do not let him succeed on those broken plays. Lester, do, do you think Kevin Steele goes a little bit more zone this week? Because at least in zone, of course, you have to keep your eye on the receiver, but you're also covering a, a part of the field. You're not necessarily covering a guy. You might have a, a man-on-demand type. You know, there, there's all kind of stuff you can do where one side might be man-to-man to the wide side of the field, and then the other the other half of the field to the short side might be a, a zone coverage. But get as many eyes in the backfield as you can. That way, whenever he does take off running – um you know, you can go get him and, and not have your back turned to man-to-man coverage and him be running behind you and you not even know until you're 20 yards downfield and you turn around. Um, so do you think Kevin still runs – because Alabama's run probably more zone this year than I can remember them running the last three or four years combined. Um, and so do you, do you think that's a, that's the best way to go for Kevin Steele is make Daniel see the zone pre-snap, try to dissect it, maybe run a lot of zone blitzes, a lot of, you know, try to confuse him as much as you can, being, you know, with him being on the road, and then uh, get get him get as many eyes in the backfield whenever he's dropping back to pass. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention, um, you, you, you touched on it for a little bit, um, blitzing. How about more blitzing? Certainly more zone for sure. Definitely more combo coverages. But I think in order for this defense to succeed, they're going to have to take some chances. They're going to have to blitz. 
I believe that, you know, if you can catch them off guard and not let them um, have time, whatever you have to do to get pressure on Daniels, I believe they must do that. And that includes, you know, sacrificing, you know, being short on the back end or sacrificing the guy in the box or something like that. But if you can succeed on those plays, I think they're 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 beneficial. We'd be way beneficial to the offense. You know, for once, let's get the other team second and 15, second and 13, second and 17. You know what I mean? On third down, hey, it'll be nice to see another team have a three and ten, three and eight, instead of three and two, three and three. You know, so um I don't I don't want them to have to make adjustments or drastic adjustments at halftime. Whatever they're doing. When they start the game with it, I hope it's successful. I hope it's a, I hope it's a good game plan that they can sustain for the entire game. You sound like Willie Lester with all this blitz talk. You mean get you a get you a swaller hat? You mean well, I, just need a, I need a cigarette and a hot bush light, and I'll be all well, right. Hey, now he he hadn't smoked in like a hundred days, and they just did a TikTok, so I'm sure it's a reward he'll get to go to the White House. <laughs> What's sad is he wouldn't be the dumbest person there. <laughs> No, he wouldn't. <laughs> Damn. Off the top rope, J-Law. Uh, hey, yep, true, true. Um, my, my biggest matchup of the game is, is uh, for me, it's Tommy Reese versus the LSU defense. Uh, it's LSU defense. As good as their offense is, man, their defense has been pissed. Uh, Mickey Wingo just went out. He just had surgery. He's out for six weeks. Of course, he tweeted that he'll be back for the playoffs, so we'll see about all that. I guess he'll be back healthy enough to go work out before he watches the playoff games. But um, And then, like Lester said, uh, he uh, LSU has like three defensive backs out, um, including I think a starter, maybe two. I'm not sure. I know Alexander's a starter. I'm not sure. I know Denver Harris hadn't played, um, but I'm not sure about the other one. Uh, our guy Landon, Landon on that. He's the one that texted it to us anyway. But it's LSU defense. 88th against the pass, 84 against the run. So they're not one-dimensional. They suck against both. And now they've got starters out. Alabama has to do a a good job of getting on this defense early. Do not put yourself in a position where you're down 7-0, 10-0, 13-14-0. Get out ahead for once. You had the home crowd. You have a home field advantage. Get out ahead. I have confidence that Kevin Steele will have the defense prepared and figure out a way to contain Jaden Daniels. But can Tommy Reese take momentum from the second half of the Tennessee game and put together a 60-minute offensive performance? That's what we're looking for. If he does, I look for Alabama to win this game by two touchdowns. Um, we'll talk about will they cover in a minute. But, you know, if they can grind out six, seven-plus play drives and give the defense time to rest and make adjustments from drive to drive instead of waiting until halftime like Lester was talking about, that's my matchup of the game, Tommy Reese versus the LSU defense. Jalen, what do you have for your biggest matchup of this Alabama-LSU game? Yeah, I'll say Caden Proctor versus whoever lines up against him. So if you just look, I mean, I'm being, I'm being serious because Jaden Roberts has come in and like you feel like you haven't uh, missed a beat at right guard. Um, I mean, everybody else is or what Tyler Booker and J.C. Latham were the top two highest graded offensive linemen in America um, two weeks ago. Seth McLaughlin, Seth McLaughlin, but this is an LSU team, guys, that is twelfth or worse in both sacks 
per game and tackles for loss per game. So they don't get in the backfield. They do not stuff you for losses. They do not hit the quarterback. They don't have a guy in the top 25 in the conference in sacks. It's Harold Perkins all the way back at like 27th or 28th. For for reference, Alabama's got two guys within the top five in the league in sacks. So if Alabama can hold LSU to their status quo, this is an LSU defense that gave up, what, 52 to Ole Miss. They gave up 49, I think, to Arkansas, a pedestrian offense that just fired their offensive coordinator. This LSU team has just given up tons and tons of points, tons and tons of yards. Like Chase said, they're sub-80 in pass defense, rush defense. They give up a lot of points. They're not a good defense. So if Caden Proctor, he doesn't even need to have the game that he had in the second half versus Tennessee. He just can't have the game that he had versus Arkansas against that guy that has five sacks on the year. Four of them came against Caden Proctor. So if he doesn't have that game, I really like Alabama's chances because, again, Wingo's out. There are tons of guys out of that LSU secondary. But if we can just stop the negative plays, and most of those come either from Milrow holding the ball too long or just straight bull rush, speed rush that Caden Proctor can't get in front of. So if we can hold them to their status quo as far as how they get back to the quarterback, I think Alabama's in good shape. Do you think that Tommy Reese continues to use the tight ends like he did against Tennessee, you know, to help Caden out, just get as many chips as you can, just slow that guy, knock him off his route, and uh, and help Caden out as much as he can? Do you expect that to happen again? Yeah, I, I do. I like it. It makes a lot of sense. Tommy Reese is really good with tight ends, drawing up plays for them to to kind of chop down a little bit and then go get open. But again, also the side-to-side stuff is a neutralizer for that pass rush. Kendrick Law across the formation. Keep those guys guessing where maybe, hey, dude, we just can't go straight back and try to hit the quarterback because they're going to run around the edge. Like Force them to attempt to set the edge before they come and try to hit the quarterback and live in the backfield. I think that's a big key in this one. Lester, as of now, recording this on Monday night, Alabama is a three-point favorite over LSU at home. Does Bama cover the three and give me a score prediction? Did the line move? Wasn't it six? I, I think that was a fake. I, I don't know. I, I Dad sent us that, but I don't – even he was like, I don't think that was legit. And so yeah. I, I think it came out at three and a half or three. It hadn't moved much. It won't move till later in the week. But really? um, right now I have it at three on my book. So that's what we're going to go with. I – Three and a half. If it's three and a half, I'm going to say that they do not cover. And I will give a 27 24. Well, I've got it at three. So they push. So I guess they, they, still wouldn't, they wouldn't cover. You'd be right. Yeah. So you're home um, for push. Yeah. I, I, I think I think that defense does enough, but LSU is still probably going to move the ball. But I think with our offense, and the progress that they continue to make and, you know, the adjustments and things they can see on the bye week, I think the offense is probably going to be a little bit more efficient. So if that if that game pushes into the 30s, like a, a 30-33 or something like that, I still think that they don't cover, but LSU still is able to, you know, hang in there close to them. I haven't been great on my bet of the weeks, but uh, I have been pretty good on my Disbama cover. Uh, I didn't – I didn't think they covered versus Texas or Arkansas. I picked them to cover against Tennessee. So, hopefully, I'm rolling here in this regard. And uh, I think Bama does cover the three. Um, 
I think they finally get to the 30-point mark offensively. Look, if they can't move the ball on this defense, who's terrible already, and now you've, you've potentially got two or three starters out, um, if you can't score 30 on this offense, then I, I, I don't know what you're going to do um, moving forward to, to move the ball on anybody. Uh, I think red zone field goals from LSU is the difference in this game. I think LSU has to settle for three red zone field goals. Once the field shrinks and the defense can focus more on Jaden Daniels' legs, um, not let happen what happened in the first play of overtime last year that Lester referenced earlier. Um, you know, keep them out of the end zone once they get into the red zone, eliminate the big plays, and uh, and they settle for three field goals. I think LSU gets to the 30 mark, but that's it. Going 34-30 Bama, they just get over that negative three, that minus three. J-Lo, what do you have for this one? Does Bama cover the minus three? And give me a score prediction. Bama covers in this game. Listen, this is against Power 5. LSU's given up 34 points per game. They're Holy on the road. crap. I 30, mean, like, you said 34? Yeah, well, 33.7. Power five points a game. Holy shit. So, like, they're not stopping teams that are in – Power five. So they played Florida State and then some good offenses. Ole Miss. I mean, but an Ole Miss offense that Alabama held to what are they 14, 17, whatever it was. 10 in that ball game. 10. What okay. 24 so, to 10, right? Yeah, I think so. So, like, I mean, they gave up 50 to those guys. Arkansas is in the 40s against these guys. Um, they just don't stop good, good teams. I mean, they don't stop teams with talent. So that I think that's the difference in this game. Listen, Alabama's only given up 20 points per game against Power Five. That play, that includes playing Texas, Tennessee. I mean, they've played some really good teams. Even Texas A&M on the road. No, not a great offense, but still held them right there to that 20 points. Um, so I like Alabama in this one. I think it's probably 37-27. I think the defense scores seven or special teams, so we get a nod in this game. But I think the offense could find a way to muster up 30 against this LSU team. Also, the crowd is going to be in this game. Everybody remembers how we lost last year and just how miserable that was to even go play the final three games of the year. I like Alabama 37-27. So, yeah, cover and I guess a double-digit dub. All right. Two covers and a push. Lester with a three-point win for the Tide. Uh, Lester, what's your bet of the week this week? My bet of the week is going to be Missouri at Georgia, minus 16. I think Missouri will cover. I'm going to take Missouri plus 16 there. Hmm. Missouri plus 16. That that's offense in, is – That's in is, Athens? Yes, in Athens. I think Oof. I think it's going to be plus 16. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, gosh, I thought Florida plus 14 and a half was a good bet. Jeez, they got their ass whooped. But uh, started good, but then man went to that second quarter or midway through the first until to, to halftime was just brutal for the Gators, and they can never get back on track. Depth is, depth is important in college football more so now than ever. And clearly, Georgia was the deeper team. I feel like Georgia's got it. Um, my bet of the week, and this is look. I mean, I'm probably not going to put any money on this game. Like, I guess you could say in real life. <laughs> On a podcast, a little fun bet. My fun bet of the week, I'm going Mississippi State plus three and a half at home versus Kentucky. Um, you know, Kentucky drops a home game to Tennessee. It's devastating. They now fall into five and three. They have no chance of, of winning the East. Um, 
their season's basically over. So what do you do? You prepare for the game plan of your life versus Alabama, which which takes place next week. You got Alabama coming into your house in Lexington. But I think it takes more than a week to do that kind of game plan. I'm not saying they haven't been working on it already. Of course, every whenever you have Alabama on your schedule, you always pay attention to that more than the other games, even if you have Georgia on your schedule. And uh, you, you get them at home. And so I think they kind of get caught trying to sleepwalk through Starkville. And even though Miss State has nothing to play for, I think they're like four and four, you know. So I, I think Kentucky – could lose this game outright. It would not surprise me at all. But yeah, I'm going Miss State plus three and a half at home versus the Cats. Um, Jayla, what's your bet of the week? Yeah, I like a lot of games this week. Um, I think a fun one would be Notre Dame at Clemson. Notre Dame's just a three point fav- road favorite. I think Clemson's mailed it in. I just texted y'all uh, Davos Winnie's radio show where fans are calling in asking why he's making $10 million a year, and he's, like, having to fight for his life from a bomb Howers in South Carolina. So that's a fun one. But, hey, how about this? USC putting Washington on upset alert. Washington is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think this is a week where USC puts it all together. Washington has been flirting with disaster all year outside of that Oregon game where they had a great game plan. I would not be surprised if USC won that game, but I'll I'll say my bet of the week is uh, Notre Dame over Clemson. Okay, hang on. So you're going to USC or Notre Dame? I'm going Notre Dame, but I think USC okay. might beat Washington. Where's that Just, game at? Is that in SoCal? Yes, it's at USC. Okay. Yeah, Washington hadn't been a great road team, and – but man, dude, Lincoln Riley's like been sick. He's had some kind of bad illness over last week. Didn't even go to practice. Your quarterback's a prima donna. You got like Emmanuel Alcho telling him that he should just sucks. quit on his team and just sit out the season. So you never, you know, those California kids, man, they just don't care. They really don't. But J Law likes Notre Dame minus three at Clemson, right? Yep. Locked in. All right. Yeah, Dabo, man, golly. Uh, and if you're a a loyal listener to it, might that might have been pre Gump Runners too. It was a long time ago. It might have been when me and J Law had the radio show one hundred five point. Was it one hundred five point seven? One. Huh. One hundred five one. One hundred five point one. Yeah, WRFS, the Lake. That's what it was, right? Yeah, you know, that we would do that radio show, and we told y'all, you know, let's let's see what Dabo does when he doesn't have Brent Venables and Tony Elliott for a decade. You know, it's very easy to coach and recruit whenever you have the same guys in your building year in and year out. That's what makes Nick Saban's dynasty. Once he's all said and done, we're really going to look back at what Nick Saban's doing. Even though we get upset when we lose now, you're going to be like, man, that was incredible. Like having to basically redo your whole staff every single year just about. And, you you know, it was really impressive what Nick Saban accomplished. And not everybody can do that. You got Kirby Smart still. You know, he hired Dan Lanning. um, And then he's had Will Muschamp as a GA. And he's had Glenn Schumann on his staff. And so he lost Dan Lanning, and now he promotes Glenn Schumann. He still got Will Muschamp there. And um, wouldn't surprise me if one of them gets a head job and they just promote the other one to defense coordinator, whatever the case is. If Glenn Schumann gets a head job, then Will Muschamp will go. But that's the thing. Kirby's still trying – he's still being able to promote from within. And uh, so not saying that Kirby's going to do what Dabo did, because I think Kirby is a different breed. I think he's on that saving level. It's easy to see that. Um, but let's see how – if the success continues to mount – 
whenever he has to replace. And it might be after Nick Saban retires, but eventually they're going to turn to Kirby and be like, oh, you coached under Kirby? I want those guys. Kind of like they do Nick Saban. Oh, you were a a secondary coach under Nick Saban? Here you go, Charles Kelly. Here's a D.C. job at Colorado. Even though you get your ass torched every week, you know, we see how that work, how that's working out. But he had that resume. And, um, you know, was it like Brent Key, J-Law? They got a head coaching job at Georgia Tech. Is that right? He's like our offensive line. Yeah. He, I mean, like they, they were just started high. If you coach, they position under saving. Yeah. I mean, dude, Marshall, Marshall hired our running backs coach. Right. Right. Yeah. And so Kirby eventually get to that point. And, it, you know, it might be another decade. Who knows? But, We'll see if he's able to maintain the success. But, um, guys, anything else y'all want to add before we get out of here? Yo, one week from tonight, Bama Hoop, baby. Mm, November 6th, yeah, game. The embarrassing loss at Wake Forest. But, you know, it's an exhibition yeah. game. Learn from yeah. it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you got more head state to open the, to open the season. Yep, one week. Is it seven days, six? Is it, like, legit one week? Yeah, legit. They'll be. We'll be listening to Chris Stewart on the radio one week from to now, because because uh the game's at seven o'clock. So yeah, we'll we play, catch. We play we'll it on Monday. Yeah, it's on Monday, November the sixth. Huh. Well, all right. Roll hoops. Roll hoops. Anything you good? I'm good. I'm good. All right, guys. We appreciate y'all stopping in, listening to us. Roll Tide, big weekend. Y'all show up to tailgate ten eighty three B. We'll be there. Um, game day going to be in T Town again. Make sure you get a nap in between. If you go, if you show up early, you can go to game day. Make sure you get a nap. It's going to be a long day. The Texas game kicked at six. This is kicking 45 minutes later. So, you know, pace yourself. But you can't drink all day if you don't start early. So, y'all remember that too. Episode 96, Gunburners Podcast, Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell. We're out.